does Mars have the ingredients for life? Well, let's find out from the latest observations from our Curiosity rover. Hi, I'm Jim Green, Chief Scientist at NASA, and this is Gravity Assist. On this season of Gravity Assist, we're looking for life beyond Earth. I'm here with Dr. Jen Eigenbrode, and she is an astrobiologist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, specializing in organic chemistry, geology, and potential biology of Mars and ocean environments. So today we're going to concentrate on what we know about the potential for life on the planet Mars. Welcome, Jen, to Gravity Assist. Thanks for having me, Jim. Happy to be here. Well, you know, you're part of a fabulous team working on a spectacular instrument on the Mars Curiosity rover called SAM, which is uh, the sample analysis at Mars instrument. Since Curiosity landed in Gale Crater in 2012, August 2012, I mean, I know exactly where I was when that happened. What's it been up to since then and how far has it gone? Yeah, so after we landed at Bradbury Landing Site, we drove to the Yellowknife Bay, which is this uh, the deepest part of Gale Crater. And at that location, we found evidence, the first evidence of an ancient lake on Mars. That was a significant finding because it was the first time we had identified what we thought was an ancient but habitable environment on Mars. That means it's a place life could have been supported. It doesn't mean that it was there. So we kept looking. From that point, we drove to Pahrump Hills, and that's about five miles, I believe, as a crow flies. And what we discovered there was that, indeed, we had come across more lake sediments. And from that location, we started trugging up the mountain. It's three miles tall. It's gigantic. And we're lucky enough that we don't have to go too far of course, we don't have evidence of life from the Curiosity River. It wasn't really designed to get all of those types of details, but we have found evidence of organic materials, which could be from life or maybe not. Well, why are you so interested in the organic molecules? What about them is that connection to life? When we look up at the red planet, it's red. It looks like it's just rusty. <laughs> and uh, it, we, we found out so far is it's not really rusty. It's just dust on the surface that's like that. And underneath, it's actually a darker gray in a lot of places. And that darker gray tells us there's a different chemistry that's been preserved. When we started this mission, there were a lot of scientists who really doubt we were going to find any organic molecules at all. And it was because we thought the planet was rather quiet, not doing much, old and rusty. But we're actually finding things. And that means that if we're finding organic molecules in three billion year old rocks, that they have been preserved over that time period. So the question is, do those organic molecules tell us anything about whether life was there or not? Certain types of organic molecules or collections of molecules are considered signatures of life, meaning they're most likely to be formed by life rather than other processes. Sorting through those and, and making sure that it's a life process versus a non-life process is kind of challenging at times, but 
When there's evidence of life in an Earth sample, usually you find multiple lines of evidence for that life. The fact that we found organic material in these ancient lake sediments tells us that if we look in the right place, perhaps we're going to find that evidence of life. What are some of the measurements that Sam makes? What Sam does is it takes um, a powdered sample. That could be something that was drilled. And in some cases, it was even something that we scooped from the surface, say like if it was sand patch or something like that. And anyway, it takes those sediment finds and it sticks them into the top of the, the rover body. There's a little inlet up there and it sticks it in there. And then it, Sam shakes it down into a little tube and all that sediment ends up in an oven. So then we close the door and we heat up that oven. And as we heat up the oven, the, the organic molecules and some of the other uh, inorganic stuff that's in there starts to evolve as a gas. So for instance, if there's water on any of those sediments, whoo, it, it goes off as water vapor really quickly and we detect it. But the organic molecules, some of them come off really quickly and some of them take a lot of temperature to get them out. So we heat that sample very slowly up to about a thousand degrees. And when we do that, we can see what types of gases come off at different times. And we can compare those types of data to what we find on Earth to try and understand what, it's, what those gases are telling us about the composition of the sample and, as a whole. So is it stuff that can be generated biologically? When we look at um, organic materials that are formed by non-life processes, such as in a meteorite that was formed in our solar system before the planets really got established. That, I mean, there's organics all over our solar system and most of them are non-life related. And when we process it in an instrument like SAM, we see similar types of molecules coming off at high temperature, just like we did at Perum Pills. And if we take a sample, let's just call it an ancient soil, maybe something that's 60 million years old. So it's been around for a while. It actually looks more like a rock now than a soil. But you know that was around when there was plants and there was organisms and, you know, in the mud. So it's been geologically processed, but it still originated from life. And when we process that in SAM-like instrument, we see the same type of molecules that we saw at Perum Pills. <laughs> Wow. So it's hard. We do not have enough information to tell what the source was. Okay. So what do we need to be able to supplement these kind of observations to carry on to the next level of understanding? Do we have to bring samples back from, from Mars? That's uh, one idea that people have had. Yes. Um, another is to drill deep. And so... Uh, we actually, um, the human race is actually going to see this unfold in the upcoming years. We have the Mars Perseverance rover that is heading to Mars right now. We expect it to land in February. And it has the capability of looking for organics in a different way than what we did with SAM. It's going to look for traces of the organics and how it, it, it's packaged in the sediments both at a really fine scale and then at a scale that a human eye could see. And both of them will tell us a lot about how organics were preserved, um, how they got into the sediments in the first place. And sometimes 
they may give us additional features that are suggestive of life, like what you would find in a stromatolite on Earth. Now, the other possible, oh, and if we find any signs of organics, package those samples up because we're bringing them home. But the other possibility that I mentioned was ExoMars. And ExoMars is going to drill deep. So if ionizing radiation is playing a big part in what we see at the surface, then perhaps drilling deep will get us away from all of that and we'll get something that's a little more pristine and less altered. But until we get those results, we just I'm sure Mars is going to Mars surprises all the time. <laughs> so yeah, it, as it always does. Now the ExoMars rover is a European Space Agency rover that's going to be launched in um, 2022. That's correct. And so we'll see we'll see what they find, and they have the the ability to go down several meters. That'll be fantastic. Another spectacular thing that Sam does is just uh, sort of open that port on the deck and, and let the atmosphere come in. And then it goes through that same process. Tell us some of the things that we're finding out about the atmosphere of Mars. So on Mars, there is 1% of the density of air and atmosphere around that we have on Earth. So there's not a lot of atmosphere to begin with, but there's definitely a lot going on. There's, we're seeing methane, and wow. on Earth, methane is, except for localized areas where there's a lot of methane coming out of the ground or from an industry or something like that, methane is pretty stable in Earth's atmosphere. We, we, the, the amount of it doesn't change. But here's the weird thing of Mars. It does change. So it's trace amounts. And we see a change in the methane abundance seasonally. So it gets low in the cooler months. And then when summer comes around, it, it rises but then it drops again. Okay, so what's going on there? And then on top of that, Sam has detected what we call methane burps, meaning it's just like this instantaneous rise. And quick, do another measurement. Wait a second, the methane signal's gone. <laughs> what happened? It, it's like it, it was there and then it disappeared. Yeah, so methane is one of those things that can be generated by life. I mean, all life uh, emits methane. Uh, but uh, it can also be generated abiotically. And we sorted out which one it is that Mars is emitting on these in these mostly in these summer months. We don't know. We don't know. But what we do think is that the methane is probably largely coming from the ground somehow. Mm. Leaking right through the ground. That's right. It's leaking through the ground. There's um, scientific uh, rationales for how that might happen but we wouldn't really know what's controlling it. And we don't know how widespread it is. It's one of the most exciting observations I think we've made, but also one of the most perplexing because we really don't understand it. And yes, it's an incredibly important molecule because it could be from life. Mm, wow. Well, you know, another important molecule that uh, uh, Sam has been measuring is oxygen. Isn't it been making some really great measurements of O2? two oxygens together? It sure is. And you know, oxygen's changing too, which we never expected. It rises in the spring and then it starts to kind of drop off when methane starts coming up. And what's interesting is that you're talking about two molecules that readily react with each other. And 
they have different patterns. We don't understand why they're changing like they do. And the fact that we do see it changing means that there are active processes going on with Mars that we still haven't uncovered yet. They're going on right now. So there's a lot more to investigate to understand what that is. Very cool. Well, yeah, so we've got uh, methane and oxygen coming and going and the or, you know, complex organic molecules in the soils. All these are fantastic possible indications of life on Mars. So, Jim, do you think that Mars had life in its past and maybe even life there today under the surface? What do you think? As a scientist, I think it's very possible because early Mars was probably very much like early Earth in its environments, protected with a magnetic field so it didn't have all of the ionizing radiation. There was lots of heat around because we had impact events happening, hydrothermal vents. All of the chemistry of Mars tells us that there was geochemicals that could have been a fuel source for, or, for life. It's just a matter of, did all of the right steps happen to actually get life there? And did life actually persist? So it is possible that life did exist on Mars. But the next question is, did it persist into uh, later into the uh, Mars history and even possibly into today? One thought that a lot of astrobiologists have been thinking about is that if life ever did get going on Mars, when the ionizing radiation hit and the climate changes started happening, perhaps it got too tough for life near the surface and it went into the subsurface and that's where it persisted. So if that's the case, then the records of the ancient life, uh, meaning after the magnetic field was gone, might be in the subsurface. Well, you know, in addition to looking at Mars, you've also done some interesting field work here on Earth. What are some of the things that can be done uh, on Earth that are sort of Mars analogs? Sure. We, we look at um, ancient rocks on Earth that uh, have modern life living in them. So we can try and pull apart multiple records of life and understand how you take all these signatures, signatures of non-life, signatures of old life, signatures of modern life, and separate them apart so that you can understand what's going on. It's important to look at things like that on Earth because on Mars, we may be looking at contributions from meteorites, contributions from Mars as a planet from a non-life perspective and possible Martian life. There's ice on Mars. We might actually be exploring that someday in the future, but then there are other places in our solar system where we have these moons that have a rocky core, an ocean around that, and then a thick layer of ice. They're like snowballs going around bigger planets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what's really interesting about that is that there's enough heat generated around that rocky body that it could be generating hydrothermal vents and into, into the ocean. And we know that they have salts. So we could be looking at a scenario that's very similar to the hydrothermal vents we have in Earth's oceans, at, in the deep, deep, deep part of the oceans where there's so much chemistry happening. They're ideal spots for not only perhaps starting some of the uh, biochemistry of life and the origin of life, 
but also allowing it to diversify. And so if, if, it's, if it happened here on Earth at those locations, perhaps it happened in these icy moons at their locations, those oceans may have an independent genesis of life. So have we seen any hydrothermal vent-like systems in the ancient ocean of Mars? Curiosity has looked at some uh, both minerals and isotopic chemistry that tells us that there was a hydrothermal influence on some of the materials that we found. So that's important. It may not have been right, it may not have been right there at Gale Crater, but the sediments could have been transported from a hydrothermal area to um, where it was found. We don't know those details yet. However, at Jezero Crater, there are a few locations where we think there may be actual evidence of hydrothermal vents. And I know that the Perseverance mission is trying to get to those places in their drive plan. So I would just say, be patient. You know, I thought I was excited enough about Perseverance, but that just blew my mind. Well, you know, Jen, I always like to ask my guest uh, that there must have been something, a person, place, or, or thing, event, or something that got them so excited to become the scientists they are today. And I call that event in their life a gravity assist. So, Jen, what was your gravity assist? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that I've always asked the question why maybe too many times, uh, but uh, even as a young kid, I was very interested in science, but it wasn't until I got outside and started hiking around and enjoyed nature for what it was that I started asking, how did it all get here? And that's when I became the scientist that I am today. Uh, looking around the mountains, looking at the rocks that you see, they're all so different. All the life that we have on our planet and then you compare it to something like Mars, which doesn't seem like it has anything from a distance. Uh, how did Earth become what it is today? And is it really special? How special is it compared to everything else in our solar system? Why do we exist here today? These are the types of questions that made me the scientist that I am now. And uh, you know, searching for life in our solar system is just one aspect of that that uh, I've devoted my career to. Well, you know, uh, I really hope, and I'm sure you do too, that we're alive when we answer that question, are we alone? Because I, th I think the answer to that is uh, uh, life is everywhere. Agreed. Uh, it's hard to find. Uh, and we don't necessarily know always uh, what we're looking for if it's not going to be like us. And yet evolution takes it in different ways that, that we are really going to have to have some great evidence to be able to understand. Well, Jen, thanks so much for joining me and discussing this fantastic topic of looking for life in our solar system, in Mars in particular. Thank you for having me, Jim. Well, join me next time as we continue our journey to look for life beyond Earth. I'm Jim Green, and this is your Gravity Assist.